how should I read this? Like, what sort of character does it have? I think it should sound um, ominous. You're describing the monster Grendel. He came now from the moor under misty fells, Grendel walking. The wrath of God was on him. Foul thief. He purposed of the race of men someone to snare within that lofty hall. That was definitive. That was the definitive reading. Yeah. Welcome to Fire the Canon, the podcast where we read the books from the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Our opinions are objective. I'm Rachel. I'm Jackie. And I'm the producer, Theo. And this week, we will be reading J.R.R. Tolkien's translation of Beowulf. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we need to figure out something to do after we announce things. Because <laughs> this lackluster applause is not cutting it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we should also let the audience know what nicknames we picked for ourselves on Zoom. Rachel? I originally called myself Wheeloff, but Theo changed it to not Wheeloff, basically just a really uncool person. I started the Zoom call, so I'm able to change anyone's nickname. He's going by the Mystic Sword, because he just assumed there was a Mystic Sword. Uh, I'm the inhuman troll wife. No, we asked you what Beowulf-themed name you're using. Ha ha ha. I just wanted to start by introducing what Beowulf is because to me I kind of need a little bit of like the factual context before I can really even start to think about understanding um, the events. So this is an epic poem um, from the medieval times thought to have been composed sometime between 700 and 1000 AD. Uh, So kind of like the Odyssey that we just covered, unclear when the original was written. Um, But much later. Much later. The original was composed in Old English, and uh, the only known manuscript, which is probably not the first written version of it, but the first time it was, you know, written down in one place that we were able to find, is um, the, what is it, the Noel Codex? Yeah. Yeah, and that is um, in England, and it was damaged in a fire. English people just can't take care of artifacts, I have to say. They really can't. They want to go around the world stealing them, but then they just really can't take care of them for shit. No way. I didn't realize also that the events in Beowulf take place in Denmark. And Sweden, right? Beowulf is Swedish, I think, and the people that he assists are Danish. So it was originally like a Scandinavian story that just happened to appear in an English manuscript. So they don't actually know where it came from. Some of the characters are actually real historical figures. Clearly some of them are not. And then some of the events are taken from like myths, like Scandinavian mythology. And then some are just like events that happened. And they're not even sure, right? Like if it was originally kind of an oral tradition thing that was written down or if the writer Mm. of Beowulf was kind of pulling together all of these different elements and creating his own thing. There's a lot of talk of God and it's the Christian God, but this is taking place in pagan Scandinavia. And so one of the points that they're not sure about is like, was Beowulf originally written as a pagan tale and then later updated to include Christian elements? Mm. And also the history that it's talking about was several hundred years before the writing of the story. Great. Okay. Uh, So do you want me to do a little bit of an overview of the characters? Yeah, sure. Sounds fun. Uh, So we have Beowulf. He's the protagonist. He's a Geat. 
he sails across the sea to help out Hrothgar, who's the king of the Danes. And his hall is called Herat, and you really don't need to know much about him. He has a wife named Walshtheo, but she's really not important, unsurprisingly. Like, this is really just a story for bros, by bros, about bros. Like, that's it. This is a sausage fest, yeah. The only other character that you need to know about who's a Dane, really, is Unferif, who is one of the king's men. And he's a little bit rude to Beowulf at, like, one time. Oh, the one other character that you might want to know from the beginning is there's a guy named Brekka, who is Beowulf's, like, childhood friend. And then there's another one of Hrothgar's men who ends up being important to the story named um, Asher? Asher? Ashera. Okay. Yeah. And then we have King Higelak, King of the Gates, um, which is from where Beowulf comes. Higelak. Higelak. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) How do you know all this? (laughs) I watch a lot of videos with people explaining it ahead of time. Oh man, that would have been good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Beowulf's dad's name was Edgethale. (laughs) And they talk about his dad a lot, but he doesn't ever show up in the story. Yeah, that's kind of one of the ways that I kept track of who people were because like Hrothgar is king of the Danes, but sometimes they also refer to him as a prince. And then I was like, wait, are these two different people? But they always they always say son of Hilfdane. So that's how I know that's the same guy. All right, why don't we talk about the plot? So when the story opens, we don't even hear about Beowulf at first. We hear about King Hrothgar for a long time. And like, you hear a lot of stuff about the history of the region of King Hrothgar. So you find out he eventually builds this wonderful hall called Herat, and he is gonna live in it with his men and they're gonna drink alcohol and party. And they they sing and they're so happy, they're having a great time. It's like a frat house, like it only exists for them to drink in and fall asleep it in. It is like a frat house. So there is, nearby, there is a monster called Grendel who's furious at the sounds of their merrymaking. So he like lets himself in. It starts after Heorot has already been besieged by Grendel. We're in Media's rest, right? We're in the middle of the action. Grendel is apparently descended from Cain, the murderer of his brother Abel. So more weird religious stuff. More weird religious stuff. They talk about Cain a lot. So because I guess Cain and his entire line have been just doomed to hell and to misery and like basically taken out of the world of humans because of that that sin that Cain committed. Mm-hmm. So it talks constantly about how Grendel is, he just hates joy. And anytime he hears joy, he wants to go and end it. Grendel and his mother and the dragon, like they're so obviously just taken from Scandinavian mythology. But this monk is like, uh, actually they're from this Bible guy. He just really shoehorned that in there. Like, hey, but Bible though. I mean, it does seem like a lot of generations past Cain, right? Seems like it would be a little bit diluted by now. This could be Cain's like nephew or something. I don't know. Like maybe they went to baseball games together. That'd be cute. So I was constantly questioning whether I was understanding what was happening. Um, and I was like, I, am I supposed to understand what Grendel looks like? Cause I have no idea. They describe him as like, kind of a sea creature, but kind of a wolf and kind of a bear and kind of a man and kind of a demon. And in fact, I, so I looked it up cause I was like, I, I just, I'm not getting this. And it really is very unclear just through all ages and all time periods and all translations, like what this, what he looks like. It's like in horror movies where if you don't show the monster, people can make up something scarier in their mind. So you think that was a strength and not, and not a flaw? 
a massive flaw. I kind of wish I knew what Grendel looked like, I guess, but I, I just assumed this guy doesn't know. Do you have any sense of how big he was? How big he is? He's big. His head has to be carried by four people later on. Yeah, so spoiler alert, he does... It gets cut off, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. He gets slain, right, <laughs> okay, by right. Beowulf, and it wouldn't be very impressive if Beowulf, like, slayed somebody the size of a baby. He's got to be really big. At least his bones are dense. <laughs> That's what his mother tells him. You're just a husky boy, Grendel. <laughs> <laughs> so are they having all this partying that's bothering Grindel? Is Grindel just sort of walking by or is does he like live nearby? Like why why does he get- I think he lives in the swamp nearby, right, Jackie? He lives in the, yeah, the moors, the swamp. He likes kind of just damp and gross places. Yeah, so he hears the partying and he like lets himself into Hayrot and he sees everyone's passed out drunk. So he kills and eats 30 men while they're asleep. Yeah, he waits till people are asleep and then he goes in and gets them. Yeah, and then they wake up and they're like, oh my gosh, a lot of us are dead. <laughs> <laughs> what a rager. What happened last night? Yeah, right. <laughs> Our parents are going to kill us. <laughs> well, the Kappa Deltas aren't going to want to come over anymore. For any Greek people listening to this, I'm sorry. I don't have no idea if that's a real sorority or not. I think they're all real. Whatever. I don't care if we make them mad. Then maybe they'll tell all their sisters or brothers to listen to see how wrong we got it. And then we'll get more listeners by pissing off the, the sorority and fraternity system. <laughs> all right. What does Grindel do next? So then he kills more people the next night. And then 12 years go by, right? 12 years of him killing them. Why don't they just leave? That's what I was confused about. I was like, <laughs> so did this happen one time? And they were like, fuck. Hey, Arat, and they just went away? Or did this happen every night? And they're like, oh man, it happened again. And then I think the first night it happened, they were like, that's gotta be a fluke. So they just, because <laughs> yeah. I think they're always asleep when he comes by. So I'm thinking like, at the very least, couldn't they just not drink for one night so that they can be awake? What if that's the true strength of Beowulf is he just like wasn't super drunk and everybody else was. <laughs> and like anybody could have beaten Grendel if they just had half their brain about them. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it says that um, Grendel went forth and he he did a lot of bloodshed. Um, 30 nights he seized upon their couch and then he takes them all home and eats them. And therefore at dawn with the first light of day was his strength in battle made plain to men. And so they all, uh, they all mourned and they all cried and they were like, well, second time's the charm and they go to sleep again and the same thing happens. And then 12 winters pass right? Um, and King Rothgar is enduring anguish because he can't use his meat house anymore. Or maybe they're just continuing to stay there, hoping something will change. It's not entirely clear if they've totally abandoned the house or if like they leave some people there sometimes like they don't really make that clear but they're really really upset that they have to move and i don't see what the problem is i don't know yeah it's not clear but it did it definitely kept going on and on and i don't know how he has any men left like after just a night or two of this yeah this hall must be huge if it's if he's able to fill it with enough men that grendel can keep killing like dozens in a go in that case, maybe they didn't even notice the first night. Right. <laughs> it says they noticed. Oh. <laughs> and they were upset about it. I love how they said that morning it, it became clear how great his strength in battle was. And it's like, that wasn't a battle. He slayed a bunch of drunk guys. Yeah. 
I would love that. Like, if I could go into a frat house and just, like, wantonly murder a bunch of sleeping dudes and they'll be like, what a great battle that was. <laughs> what a warrior. She must be a great fighter, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why I made myself the murderer in that situation. We don't. You said it would be great and you would love it. You said I would love yeah. it if I could go into a frat house and kill a bunch of dudes. I'm just saying I think I would be the perfect criminal. Except that you're admitting to it on a podcast. For public distribution. She would have been the perfect criminal. Because we know they'll be playing this as evidence in a trial later. We should say something to the jury now. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say? All 12 of you look fantastic. Check out the Fire the Cannon podcast. Oh, yeah. Please rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) I have my whole life ahead of me. Yeah, take pity on her. So Grindel has like, he's great in battle and he also has like really great stealth tactics, I guess, if he's murdering 30 people. Either he has really great stealth tactics or all of them are blackout drunk every night. Yeah, he probably doesn't have to be that sneaky. He's like the opposite of Santa Claus. Like he doesn't come give you gifts. He comes and takes your men. Takes your men. Yeah, nearly opposite. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually 12 years pass and... Beowulf hears that this has been going on. And Beowulf is not, he's not a a royal or a king or anything. He's just like a young warrior. He's the king's nephew. Yeah, but he's got to prove his worth in battle. And he's been in battles before and he's strong and stuff, but he's basically doing this. He wants respect. Yeah, he wants to help Hrothgar, but he also is like, if I do this, like I'm going to be known forever. Yeah, I'll be so respected. So he takes 15 of his best bros with him and they sail across and go to visit King Hrothgar. So a watchman asks them who they all are, and Beowulf introduces himself. So finally, he says his name on page 22. That's when we get our namesake character. (laughs) The watchman is like, "Um, I've never seen so many people roll up here dressed like they're about to try and murder everybody as much as you guys look like that. So what are you doing here, real quick? So the narrator doesn't even say Beowulf's name until that moment. Correct. That's pretty cool, actually. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. I thought that was a cool move to wait that long. If I wrote a story, that would happen in my story. <laughs> well, maybe he just didn't decide what he wanted to call him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's right. like, what's your name? <laughs> uh, My name is Beowulf. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Beowulf apparently means Beowulf, which also means bear. Beowulf means bear. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. B plus wolf equals bear, Theo. <laughs> Simple mathematics. Oh man, I could make a great Yu-Gi-Oh joke right now, but I guess nobody do is it. Gonna... Make a Yu-Gi-Oh joke. I'm not There's got to be a Yu-Gi-Oh. Come fan on, out there. if it's a great one, do it. It's not even a good one. I was just gonna say they use polymerization, which is such a rare card, and not everybody had that card. And make how you make fusion monsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We made you say that. <laughs> Leave it in. Some people like Yu-Gi-Oh a lot. <laughs> Maybe they'll listen if we say there's a Yu-Gi-Oh joke. Beowulf means bear. <laughs> <laughs> is it because the bears like the honey? Is that what it is? Yeah, maybe. Maybe a bear's roar sounds like the buzzing of a bee. In a wolf's mouth. Okay, wait, wait, wait. This guy says Beowulf is a variant of Beowulf, meaning war wolf. I can't tell you why you're wrong i just know that you are. no one person thinks it's bee wolf and other people think it's war wolf <laughs> and someone else thinks it's thor wolf or woodpecker <laughs> because of his indomitable nature and that the bird fights to the death <laughs> it does with the tree 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> Fights to the death. Woodpeckers are well known for fighting to the death. None of us know this because if we ever had battled a woodpecker, we would be dead. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I kind of like bee wolf though. Bee wolf. You mean bear? I'm I'm just picturing like the guy asked his name and he like looked to his left, saw the bee, looked to his right, saw a wolf over there. It's like, yeah, that's what it is. We find out that Beowulf has the strength of 30 men, by the way. They just kind of casually drop that. And so with the 15 he brought, that's 45. Unless they have some Alpiners in their crew. Beowulf meets Hrothgar and Hrothgar's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. Like, I used to know his dad. Yeah, he tells a story about Beowulf's ancestors. Yeah, I kind of, I'm like, I can just skip all of this. They welcome him into the hall. They have like a feast and that's the welcoming feast. They drink some meat, they fall asleep. So it's almost like they're baiting Grendel to come and do this. So this happens very fast. And you know, like all I thought about when I was starting this is like, okay, well, there's going to be this like epic battle with Grendel and there's going to be a lot of tension leading up to it. But it happens immediately. He shows up, they go to sleep, Grendel comes. So um, Unferth, who we told Theo about when Beowulf is talking about like, yeah, I'm here to kill Grendel. I'm really strong. I'm going to do this for you guys. Don't worry. Unferth says like, excuse me, didn't you have a swimming contest with Brekka a while ago? And you swam for seven days straight, but he beat you in the swimming contest? Wow. Do you really think you can defeat Grendel? <laughs> you only swam for seven days straight? What if Brekka has the strength of 31 men? Well, the thing is, Beowulf says like, oh yeah? You think that was great? Well, Brekka and I were neck and neck the entire time, except that I also had to kill nine sea monsters. Like, I was wearing my full chainmail, helmet, everything. I had my sword. I just kept having to kill all these freaking sea monsters. So yeah, he beat me by a little bit, but I'm still better. <laughs> he had to make it nine. He couldn't He couldn't have just said a like sea monster. Like one sea monster, yeah. That's like the most ridiculous lie. <laughs> And you lost the swimming race. Just let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> My stepbrother, when he was younger, used to tell the most ridiculous lies. I think like one time he came to see us and we were like, hey, what have you been doing this summer? And he said, I was hanging out with the kids from Rocket Power. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like, what have you been doing? Because <laughs> I've been surfing the waves. No, he with... just meant that he was watching TV a lot. No, he told us he was friends with Otto and Reggie and that they oh, had been. Oh, no. Just... Did you ask for more details? That's usually the way to make someone stop lying. <laughs> no, I think because we were also children, we were just like, that didn't happen. <laughs> Which, of course, made him like go deeper, right? So that's Beowulf is just like, well, I would have won, but I had the... I had to go so <laughs> I was hanging out with the sea monsters. <laughs> There's a, a quote on page 28 that I just thought was funny. Do you think J.R.R. Tolkien did this on purpose? Well, he's talking about him and Brekka swimming, um, Beowulf, and he says, Naked we held our swords, hard in our hands. We too rode the sea. Oh. Yeah. Do we ship Brekka and Beowulf? You do. I already know that. Why can't I just ship whoever I want? You ship the first two people you're introduced to in every book. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know if he did that on purpose. It was phallic. Like, I don't know if it was originally there, though. He, he just had to translate it because it was in the text. Jackie, so you think these two guys were boyfriends and they went on a romantic week-long vacation together <laughs> and then to explain their absence, they said, we were swimming in the ocean for seven days in the winter. And also we killed some sea monsters. Uh, yeah, that's what we were up to, actually. And then people start hiring Beowulf to kill other monsters and he was like... Uh 
Uh, what do I do now? <laughs> my, my sword wasn't really a sword. I should have just admitted I was dating Brecca. <laughs> yeah, I was just at the cottage all weekend. <laughs> Alpiners. I saw that there could be a translation error. Like, it, people usually translate it as swimming, but it could have actually meant rowing. Like, they were rowing for seven days and seven nights, and that's why they were wearing their chain mail and helmets and had their swords and things. Unferth does not like it when anybody, like, gets more honor than him, and that's, like, kind of the whole reason Beowulf is here. It's He's here to, like, you know, make his honor. He's a regular Malfoy. And Beowulf is Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Malfoy is like, I want to do all the good things, but he's doing good things. I don't think that's it. <laughs> that famous quote from Harry Potter. <laughs> that's yeah. on all the memes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have to put that on our Instagram is make it like one of those quote memes that's Malfoy saying, I want to do all the good things, but he's doing all the good things. <laughs> and just label it Unferth. <laughs> so they feast, they're eating a lot of stuff, etc., etc. Beowulf. He's about to go to bed and he says, I'm going to take off all of my armor and my helmet and I'm not going to use my sword because I can defeat him as I am. Right. And Grendel doesn't use a sword. So I'm just going to go like I'm going to be on his level and kill him even more inhumanely. Don't right? bring a sword to a fist fight, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think he's saying Grendel doesn't deserve to die by the sword. He deserves to die as like brutally as he kills the men, like he rips them apart. So yeah. So Beowulf then lies down um, and then everybody else kind of goes to sleep around him. The night comes and so does Grendel. Along comes Grendel with it. So he peeks in the window he looks in the door. He sees there are a lot of sleeping men. It says, then his heart laughed. He thought that he would sever ere daylight came, dread slayer, for each one of these life from their flesh, since now such hope had chance of feasting full. So he like is just loving how full he's going to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then the very next sentence is like, but beyond this night, that's not going to happen anymore. In case we were worried that Beowulf wasn't going to succeed. <laughs> right. So uh, Grendel comes in and he doesn't immediately fight Beowulf. He picks up some other guy first and then just like tears him apart and drinks his blood and, eats and then eats his entire body. Yeah, bones and skin and all. It says he took all of that lifeless thing to be his food, even feet and hands. Can you believe it? Can you believe even it? Even eating feet and hands. <laughs> just like, why is the narrator saying this is taking it too far? That he would eat the guy's feet and hands. <laughs> he bites the bone joints. He drinks blood from the the veins. And then he even eats the hands. Gross. <laughs> maybe it's because those were particularly dirty back then. Ooh, yeah, maybe you're right. Good insight from Theo. I feel like the whole thing is probably really dirty. <laughs> so then Grendel finally, he goes to Beowulf. I don't know, like all of the, like what, hundreds of or dozens of men in this hall. He just kills one and then he's like, oop, next one's Beowulf. Goes over there. Yeah. It would be funny if they're like, he killed this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. The whole time Beowulf was just waiting there, so excited for his turn to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Grendel grabs him with his steely claws and uh, Beowulf became afraid for a moment, but then he remembered his courage and he stood up and he grappled with Grendel. As soon as Grendel grabs him, he feels how strong and buff Beowulf is and he gets nervous. There are 30 guys in these muscles. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like the strength of 30 men. 25, 26, 20, 30. <laughs> So they spend a few paragraphs then describing how um, 
physically the hall that they're in is damaged by the fight. So it's just like, they tipped the benches over and they spilled some wine. <laughs> yeah, just break and <laughs> like, stuff. Like, that's a big deal. Regarding the fight or regarding the two adversaries, it says, hateful to each other was the other's life. I hate that this guy's alive. <laughs> 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 Once everyone's finally awake, some of Beowulf's men draw their swords to try to help Beowulf, and that's when we find out that no thing made of iron can harm Grendel. Oh. At that point, Beowulf realizes that they can't stab him to death, so he rips his arm off at the shoulder. Boop. Boop. <laughs> Pulls his arm. He just rips off the arm that he was grappling well, with. If you ever had like a Barbie doll, you know, sometimes they just like pop right out. You could say Grendel's also a right hand man. Because his right arm came off? We don't know. That's the thing. I mean, that would be if his left arm came off. That's the key question in Beowulf. Which arm did Grendel lose? And how many arms did he have to start with? That's a good question. Do you assume that if no one specifically says how many arms someone has, they could have any number of arms? Well, he's a monster from hell, so who knows? I was assuming two, but now Jackie's opened it up. Like, what if losing one arm wasn't that big of a deal? I guess he did die after it. He died. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could bleed to death even if you had more than two arms. Maybe that arm was the one that had all of his vital organs in it. Is <laughs> <laughs> that supposed to be a pun? Like, Beowulf went into the battle unarmed and then... He unarmed Grendel. <gasps> he disarmed Grendel. <laughs> I don't know, but that's really funny. <laughs> it's the mythical origin of puns. So he rips the arm off and Grendel like escapes and runs away back to the marsh that he lives in. Leaving a trail of blood all the way. Yeah. yeah. He just dives in and then he dies. And the water that he lives in boils up hot with his blood. Boils. Yep. Beowulf ha is holding like the hand, the arm, and the shoulder of Grendel and he like puts it on the roof of hayrot like outside i don't think they put the arm on the roof it says beneath the roof like here's what i'm imagining you look at the building outside here's the roof there's like a flat part the flat triangle on the wall under the roof and i imagine he like stuck it on that part above the door i kind of think wouldn't it be funny if like if it's like a flipping the bird or something <laughs> i imagine that they're inside the house and there's like a live laugh love sign and then there's like a mama needs wine at five o'clock sign and then there's like grendel's arm I, yeah i feel like there are lots of more creative ways they could have used it maybe like a you have to be this tall to enter <laughs> <flipping> <laughs> So the next day, everyone's thrilled, and uh, the narrator has this weird, weird little aside where he says, Herat was filled with friends. In no wise did the Shildings work treachery as yet. What does that mean? He says in no wise a lot. I think wise mean way. Yeah, but he's saying nobody did anything treacherous yet. Where are they going to? <laughs> exactly. Going to? <laughs> no way was anyone treacherous yet. Yeah. So basically the part, this is going to probably sound familiar then if you listen to the Odyssey episode. So they, they wake up, they're very happy. They're all celebrating. Um, Hrothgar is like, thank you so much. And he gives Beowulf like a ton of gifts. Um, so Beowulf basically, he's obviously proud of himself and he's not going to do himself short, but he's, um, or sell himself short rather. But he's, he's, I think he's pretty humble you know, for, for what he did. So he's just like, yeah, we, we did a good thing. He certainly doesn't demand gifts. He has the humility of 30 men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I, I'm glad that I was able to kill him. Unfortunately, it was not the will of God for me to keep him from running away, but I did get his arm. He's gonna die. And so then um, they decorated Heorot really pretty. They put gold tapestries everywhere. They put all the benches upright and they mopped up all the wine that, you know, Beowulf spilled. Yeah, there's an extended interior decorating sequence. Extended interior decorating. So basically they're getting ready for a big party. They party, they fall asleep. The queen, Walchtheo, gives 
gives people stuff from like she gives people drinks from cups and sometimes gives people little gold rings and that's it that's all she does oh my god they say ring giving all the time that was like a big deal people were always giving each other rings like if you were someone's master and you had vassals who pleased you you would be giving them rings so to show off your wealth and like how great you are, the more rings you give away, the better you are. If everybody's always giving away rings, I think the rings stop being as important. Like if you gave a ring to everyone you know and then you give one to me, I'm like, okay, I got the same ring as everybody else. But everyone would be like, wow, that Rachel, she's so generous with the rings. But they're like Chuck E. Cheese tokens at that point. Do you want to hear about the gifts? So Hrothgar gives Beowulf a golden ensign, an embroidered banner on a staff, a helm, a corslet, a sword, and a cup. So then I was like, okay, that's those are pretty good, but he should have some more things. And then Hrothgar gives him eight horses. Each has a gold-plated bit and bridle. One of them has a wonderful saddle with like gold and gems and stuff all over it, but the other seven don't. So I don't know what people are supposed to sit on when they ride those guys. And then even each of his men gets a rich gift and an heirloom made out of gold. So... That's pretty good. I'm actually not that interested in the gifts. Like, I'm glad you said all of that. <laughs> no, you're not. But, but I, uh, I don't really care what gifts he got. Theo's Uber is here. We got to hurry up. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you don't care what gifts he got, you are nothing at all like the intended audience of this epic poem because they would have been all about like, ooh, what else did he get? What else did he get? <laughs> like gifting is a big deal in this culture too. So that's another comparison to the odyssey i think of beowulf as like the good version of odysseus like odysseus sucked but beowulf is like he does a good job he really doesn't do anything bad or stupid he kind of just he does do something stupid at the end uh well yeah but i mean he's allowed one mistake yeah well just one mistake and he never makes another one (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna make a mistake you it better be your last (laughs) it's like someone said like every mushroom is edible but some are only edible once that great quote by someone. I'm going to find out who it was. <laughs> okay, so apparently it's a, some it's a Croatian or a Czech proverb. A proverb. It's a proverb. Aren't proverbs <laughs> supposed to give some sort of wisdom? Does that really give any wisdom? Yeah, don't eat poisonous mushrooms. Or you might die. <laughs> That's very useful information. I think what it's saying is reach for your dreams. Some mistakes are fatal. When the bard sings his long, stupid song, he ends the song being like, so they resolved their feud and they they decided they weren't going to talk about it anymore and they weren't going to even remember it. And in fact, if anyone even mentioned it at all, we will kill them. <laughs> Our feud is so over that if anyone ever mentions it again, we'll murder them. But he just sang a song about it. <laughs> but he's not one of the people involved, so I guess other people are allowed to talk about it. That's why it's such a special song to hear because every time as soon as someone <laughs> finishes it they're executed so there are some songs that you can sing once and some you can only. yeah all songs are singable but some are only singable once oh so now this is our final episode i guess because i talked about uh-oh uh-oh Okay, so Rothgar and his men, they're all celebrating and partying just like they did in the good old days. They're really happy about the end of Grendel's reign of terror, but little do they know another monster lurks on the moors. Grendel's mother. And she's pretty strong. Is she stronger than Grendel, perhaps? Yeah, way stronger. Um, It takes a long time to deal with Grendel's mother. So she comes in and she grabs a knight, and that knight happens to be um, Asherah. Um, And Asherah is one of Hrothgar's, like, favorite guys. So he was kind of like the right-hand man. And he's so wise. 
they're upset about Ashura being killed, but also she takes his body back with her to her cave. So they're really mad that they can't do the funeral pyre and everything. So Hrothgar says to Beowulf, basically, I know you already did me one favor, but can you please, please do this other thing and I'll give you even more presents. I felt so bad for Hrothgar because how awkward is that? Like this guy, like you just <laughs> gave him all the presents. You aren't planning on having to do a second round of presents, you know? That's true. Well, that makes me think that he was holding back the good stuff and he should have given him the best stuff from the very beginning because he didn't know there was another monster. That's so awkward, right? Now he's revealing his cheapness. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Either he doesn't have anything to tempt him with, or he does, which means he didn't do a good job rewarding him before. I'm just cringing thinking of myself being in this situation, how awkward that would be. <laughs> like if you show up to like a, a secret Santa gift exchange and you didn't realize you like you forgot to bring something and you're like, oh, let me get, go get a stapler for my office or something and pretend that's a gift. I feel like that's what Rothgar is situation is <laughs> all right so yeah it, the king is like beowulf um i will give you even more things if you also take care of this like even worse monster they say it's better to avenge your friend than lament and beowulf's a pretty good guy so he says grieve not um i'm gonna take care of it yeah no problem bro yeah we're gonna follow the footprints of grendel's mom and i'm not gonna let anything else happen to you guys so they find ashera's head just chilling by the cave which that is so rude at least have the decency to eat his head i mean you eat the hands and feet you can't eat the head did you all say that grendel's mom took the arm she took it back yeah she had gone there basically to get the arm and then have a little revenge do you think that's why she took asherah's body maybe she was gonna like put together a little like hodgepodge of like a frankenstein kind of thing we are not really told how intelligent these creatures are. So, but if they were really smart, they would have done that is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously she, they, they aren't totally bereft of humanity, even though like they're doing a lot, I think in every translation, um, except for maybe MDHs to separate the animal nature of Grendel um, and his mother from like the civilization that is everything in Heorot. But Grendel's mom is like coming to get part of his body. I mean, that there's a human connection there. But also they're constantly telling stories and asides. Like Beowulf is never involved in any feuds, but everyone else is always feuding and like getting revenge. So I don't know how much is written into the original text that is like separating Grendel and his mother because they're also feuding mm -hmm. with Hrothgar's people. Like Grendel's mad that they're so loud. <laughs> <laughs> and his mom's mad they murdered her son and used his arm as a trophy. Yeah, that's canon. We, Grendel is mad because of the loud music. Believe me, I have lived next to frat guys before, so I get it. <laughs> you just said the same thing I said earlier. You said I would love to go into a frat house and murder those loud boys. I did not say that. Didn't she just say, I get it. I get Grendel's headspace that he was in. <laughs> I said, I get it. I didn't say I would love to murder frat boys. There's a difference. <laughs> I can read context, please. I can read between the lines. Listeners, write in and tell us if there's a difference or not. If I'm right, leave a five-star review and a positive rating. If Jackie's right, convince 10 of your friends and family to subscribe to the podcast man what a bad punishment for me oh that's good so they get together the men and they follow the footprints of grendel's mother to the kind of like murky bog lake that she lives in yeah and they see that there are actually serpent kind strange dragons of the sea all like basically sea demons all in the lake so it's not just her they're like kind of squirming all around it's like when you drop some little duck food in a lake and then 
And all the ducks come up from the bottom and grab it. <laughs> all the scary ducks. And squirm around. <laughs> yeah, just writhe. And, right? Yeah. This was the same water that boiled earlier? I don't know if it, he lived with his mom or not. I mean, he was a grown, he was a big boy. Hard to know. Although they must have lived close by because she realized right away that he was dead. So anyway, um, Beowulf and um, Unferth have another moment. So Unferth was the guy who was kind of rude to him earlier and was like, whatever, so you didn't you even win that swimming, swimming contest? contest with your little boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say boyfriend. So now they're standing at the edge of the lake um, and Beowulf basically gives a little, a little speech to the men before he de- decides to go in and he says, hey... Everyone, if I die down there fighting Grundle's mom, I would like you to know um, that you should retrieve my sword and basically just not let it stay down there in the lake. It's Unferth's sword that he borrowed from him. So Unferth is like, here, take this sword. It's really good. He says, take my sword. Its name is Hrunting. Take my sword, please. (laughs) No, really, take it. So he says, for myself, glory will I earn with Hrunting the sword or death shall take me. He also says, if I die, give all my stuff to Unferth. Really? Already? He's like, I want him to inherit things. No, no, no. She sa- he says, give it to Higlach. Look, I'll read it to you. And send thou to those precious gifts that thou hast given me, beloved Rothgar, unto Higlach. And then it says, and let Unferth receive back his olden heirloom, his sword. What a wonderful gift. And then at the end, let Unferth have his own property back. <laughs> Is Unferth's sword better than Beowulf's? Or does Beowulf just not have a sword or something? He did have a sword because he didn't use it to fight Grendel. Yeah, maybe the reason he didn't use it because it sucks. <laughs> My hands are sharper than this. Because <laughs> <laughs> he swam in the ocean with it for seven days. It's probably all rusty. So he dives into the lake and... He wrestles with a whole lot of sea creatures. Which he has a lot of experience with, supposedly. He has a lot of experience, yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if he, like, bragged about having to kill nine sea demons, and then the first one that gets him, he's like, I don't know what to do! (laughs) And he's, like, looking back to see if anyone's watching. But then, so Grendel's mother comes up, she clutches at him, and she drags him down. He was going to fight her underwater. That's what he was going to do. He was trying to get to where she lived, which was in the lake somewhere but then i think they kept talking about how she lived in a cave so and i think he's also trying to find the body right yeah ideally yeah tolkien translates it as like he's in some type of hall or like a vaulted chamber but it's basically like just some type of underneath the lake there's a like a cave or something but it's kind of magical right like he talks about how he can breathe or he doesn't need to breathe or something so she lives in a magical cave under the water yeah he was in some abysmal hall wherein no water did him any hurt and so then he sees like because he's tried with um fronting the sword to damage grendel's mother but it didn't work so he sees on the wall of this like cave under the lake that there's a huge sword like a sword for giants yeah like not a human sword it was something it was for someone else so he grabs that it looks great it looks great at first they're basically just wrestling and like pinning each other to the ground and she's gonna stab him with a knife but he does something kind of dirty he grabs her by the hair and throws her on the ground pull hair it's not fair yeah it's not fair (laughs) he does do that and she's about to stab him because his sword doesn't work she's about to stab him and that's when he's like oh she has a wonderful sword on the wall so he just grabs that chops her head off basically (laughs) like i was just gonna lay here and get stabbed but now i think i'm gonna go way over there and get that sword (laughs) yeah so then he just like stabs her whole body it says and it says she sank upon the floor the sword was wet the knight rejoiced him in the deed he's looking around the house looking around the house and he sees grendel's dead body because she like took her son back to her cave and laid him out on this couch 
He sees poor Grendel's dead body, and he's like, uh, and then chops off the corpse's head. <laughs> Aw, come on. I know. He chops off the head of Grendel. His blood is so hot, it melts the blade of the magical sword. Still without hot blood. Yeah. Still got hot blood. And so then we see all of the guys up on the shore of the lake and you can tell it says it's the ninth hour of the day and they're all up there crying because they're like, well, she got him. <laughs> they said the she-wolf has broken him. They were sick at heart. And uh, then all of a sudden up comes Grendel's head. Just kidding. It's being held by Beowulf though. So it's fine. But how ser- how scary would that have been if, if Beowulf was just like, ah. He's like hi guys, <laughs> <laughs> um, Beowulf lost. Thought I was dead, did ya? <laughs> the original puppet show. So he pops up. He's got Grendel's head, and he has the hilt of the sword. It looks like he left hunting in the cave, even though there's no need. He could have brought it back, and he didn't get Asher's uh, corpse. He I'm pretty sure got- she ate his body, and they just that's why they found the head alone. Okay. Yeah, maybe she's not into heads or it was to leave to give him a message that's good they can have like two characters in dialogue for their puppet show that's true there's like all these random parts like there's an arm and there's a head and there's a head and there's a body you could really do something with that yeah this is the prequel to frankenstein Mm -hmm. so he pops up he's got this stuff everyone's so happy it says they took it took four men to carry grendel's head back so think about how big he must have been or just dense or very dense, <laughs> like a neutron star. <laughs> His head's like this big, but they're like... <laughs> okay. Oh, you think Grendel's like five inches tall? <laughs> yeah, and Beowulf was pulling off his arm with tweezers. <laughs> we all tweezers. Aww, yeah. that would be cute. All right, so Beowulf is able to to get Grendel's head. They take it home and they're like, yay, let's drink. So if I were them, I would not be like, let's drink and go to sleep, right? Right, like, what if a what third if- guy shows up? <laughs> yeah, Grendel's grandmother. Yeah. Grendel's or third cousin child. once removed. Right. Like his pet or something. Or Kane. Or Kane himself. Yeah. His great grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the original murderer. Hrothgar's asked him this enormous favor after he already came and did this first thing, like out of the goodness of his heart. Like nobody asked him to come and do this for the Danes. He just did it. And then Hrothgar was like, uh, can you also do this other thing? I'm really sorry, but I'll yeah. give you more presents. So then he does all this stuff. Beowulf does another little speech and he's just like, here's what I did. This was kind of a miracle. Like if it wasn't for the corslet I was wearing, I would have been stabbed to death, but I wasn't because the Lord kept me safe. And then Hrothgar goes... Don't let your head get too big, Beowulf. You want to make sure that you're not uh, bragging too much. <laughs> Whoa. He gives like a three or four page long lecture to Beowulf. And it says that sometimes scholars refer to it as Hrothgar's sermon, in which he urges Beowulf to be wary of pride and to reward all of his thanes, like his liege men. So it's just him being like, here's how you be a good leader. Give a lot of rings. Don't get too proud. He also says like, look, don't care too much about gold and fancy things. And it's like, you just gave him all these things and you paid him with them. You asked him, you told him you would give him. And he's like, look, just don't worry too much about gold, Beowulf. Like, just be a nice guy. Just be a monster (laughs) slayer for the joy of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's kind of like preparing for the third time that someone comes through the house. And he's like, look, just so we know, I want you to remember that gold isn't all that important. And (laughs) just in case something else happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It says that Beowulf told people to bring hunting and to give it back to Unferth. And it says, for that offered gift, he spake his thanks, 
saying that a good friend in war he deemed it, a power in battle, nor uttered any words belittling the edges of that sword. A gallant knight was he. So even though it didn't work for him at all, it was really nice of him to not say that. Yeah, he's like, what a great sword. This was so helpful. But he's considered gallant because he didn't say like, this damn sword couldn't cut through a thing. That's funny. I love that. Now Thea's really into it. <laughs> Maybe change your name to Hrunting. <laughs> <laughs> People know who I am when I say I'm the Mystic Sword. <laughs> well, Hrunting's not Mystic. Mystic Sword doesn't have a name. That was kind of charming, I guess. That made me like Beowulf a little bit. Although I don't like it when people kill these monsters. Let them be. I'm very inclined to think the monsters are in the right, even though I'm not given any indication, really. <laughs> I think <laughs> Grendel's mother is in the right. That's totally fine. Even by their own rules, I think they would have to say she's allowed to get revenge. It's just good parenting. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that is supposed to distinguish um, the monsters from the humans is like, I think Heirat's actually like important, like the physical hall, the building, because it's somehow if fine to just go into like the world, go into the wilderness and nature and just kill whatever you see there. But if you go into mm. an actual house, yeah, like um, that humans would live in, like piece of civilization, then it's murder. Basically, they're doing the same thing. Like Hrothgar's men and Grendel and Grendel's mother are all doing the same thing, but it's just worse when they do it because they're breaking and entering. I don't know. So Hrothgar, it says he gives him 12 costly gifts, but it doesn't really go into it. So I guess the narrator was also tired of it like you know. <laughs> So Beowulf has had a guy watching his ship this whole time, and it says Beowulf gives him a great sword, like a really good sword, and from then on, everyone honored that man because Beowulf had given him such a good sword. You know why I would honor that man? Because Beowulf left him swordless to watch his ship while Grendel was still out there. Well, Grendel only cares about Heirat and noise. He doesn't care about one dude on a beach. Would you like to be that one dude on the beach by yourself with Grendel stalking around? I wouldn't care. You wouldn't care? No, I wouldn't care. He only cares if you're making noise. <laughs> I think you're a little too focused on the noise. He slays them in their sleep. <laughs> in revenge for the noise. I could easily be friends with him. No problem. So this is basically like that, uh, what's that, what's that movie where you can't make any sounds? Hush. Uh, The Silent Treatment. Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. I yeah. really think that I could get along fine with Grendel and his mom. I'm just saying. Before or after he killed dozens of people. I mean, they're not, like, they're not my people. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hashtag my, my brother's keeper, to quote Kane. Oh. They're about to go home and um, the prince of the Shieldings, King Hrothgar, kisses Beowulf, clasping him about the neck. So I'm just imagining him like strangling <laughs> him, but also like, I love you so much. He tells like, oh man, you're so great. Like I mm -hmm. would be happy to adopt you and blah, blah, blah. Like you're awesome. Let's be friends forever. Let's let our people be allies, et cetera, et cetera. But no more gold. Yeah. Getting greedy. Don't worry about gold though. Don't Gold's worry. We'll be deal. your allies, even though... Like monsters were just slaughtering all of our people and it took like one guy to fix the problem. Like, Yeah, don't worry. Like, we got your back like, next time. Yeah, we're a powerful ally. You want us on your team. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we're literally drunk and asleep most of the time. <laughs> but you want us We've been getting team. slaughtered for 12 years in a row and haven't done a thing about it. <laughs> I've been crying every night for my frat house that couldn't be used anymore. They all they needed was some morale, and now that they have Heirat back, ah. they believe in themselves again. Yeah, everything's gonna be it's different. Like a baseball now, I movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Beowulf goes back home to Gantland, and he sees his uncle Heloc, who's the king, and he tells the entire story of what happened. So he's got a very Odysseus trait about him, oh. which is 
just retelling it. But the thing I prefer about Beowulf to the Odyssey doesn't lie. is that we actually do get to see the action as it's happening. So we're not just introduced to the story with Beowulf saying, so I went over there and did all these things. But it is kind of annoying that he retells the whole tale again. Yeah, there's nothing different or interesting about it. It's just the same. It's just copy paste. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's, yeah. So he tells the king like, I'm going to give you all of my gifts. And the narrator has a weird little aside where he says, even so shall a kinsman do, nor in any wise shall spread with secret craft a net of malice for another, death devising for the comrade at his side. Which I feel like the monk who wrote this has been betrayed before. <laughs> who hurt you? I know. He's like, this is what you need to do. Don't craft a net of malice. So he, he tells the king, like, I'm going to offer you all of my wonderful gifts. And then he does. And the king accepts all of this stuff that Beowulf got. And in return, he gives him another really good sword, some land, a hall, and a princely throne. And that's kind of the end of the first half of Beowulf, is a third. So basically, half of it is when he's young, half of it is when he's old. The part where he's young is longer because he fights two monsters. The part where he's old, he only fights one monster. All right, so we got through half of it. I think that's a good place to stop for today. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you have something to say, you can reach us by email at firethecanonpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at firethecanonpod. We have a Facebook page and a group at Fire the Cannon Podcast. One is for official announcements, one is for kind of community discussions. And as a new thing this week, we have a Patreon. So if you like what you hear and you want to give us a little bit of money or more, you know, we're not, whatever, it's up to you. We are at patreon.com slash fire the cannon. And of course, cannon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. All right, and one other thing we wanted to do was go ahead and shout out our very first patron on Patreon, and that is Steven. Steven is part of our big gun tier. As part of the big guns, he gets our eternal love and gratitude. He gets exclusive content. Um, he gets a patron shout out lasting 15 seconds, and I am timing it. And he also gets an entry into our LP and her t-shirt drawing. So uh, currently he is the only one entered into that drawing for that t-shirt. So if you want to go ahead and snag that LP and her t-shirt from Steven, and I know you do because who does not want an LP and her t-shirt, best character in the Odyssey, head to patreon.com slash fire the cannon. Again, canon with one N. Two N's. Two N's, but one in the middle. C-A-N-O-N. <laughs> Just say it like that. <laughs> or as we like to call it, C-A-N-O-N. No. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. That's good. That's so good. Fire the C-A-N-O-N. <laughs> we also would like to thank our international listeners. And we have a nice set of you from all around the world. But this week, we're going to focus on two countries. Specifically, we would like to thank our listeners from Ukraine. Top exports, iron, steel, and cereals. And India. Top exports, mineral fuels, including oil, and gems slash precious metals. So join us for the second installment of Beowulf, and we hope to see you there next time. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. All right, and now is when we thank our listener. Thanks, Nell. Thanks, Nell. Thanks, Nell. Nell.